the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by Rosenthal Wealth Management. It's time now for Making Money Sense, live with Larry Rosenthal. Larry is recognized as one of the nation's leading financial and retirement planners and is here to answer your questions right now. Author, speaker, and talk show host Larry Rosenthal is dedicated to teaching others financial stewardship from a biblical point of view. Call Larry now. Studio lines are open at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. Making Money Sense is on the air. Welcome to the Larry Rosenthal Show with Larry Rosenthal himself. You didn't think I was going to... I was running a little bit behind here, Larry. I didn't think I was going to get in the studio. <laughs> wow, what a great entrance this was. <laughs> I love it. Good morning, Chris. How are How you? Are yeah, I was all ready to start going myself. It's all good. It's well, all I'm just good. Glad, I'm just glad I'm here. It's always good to be here with you, you know. Enjoy. Well, your, your Superman cape is a little torn from when you flew in the window there in the studio. But, <laughs> hey, congratulations, you know. It's a traffic issue. I can understand. It's what they call a photo finish. It's great. <laughs> yes. Well, good morning, Chris. And good morning, everyone. Welcome to Making Money Sense, the Larry Rosenthal Show. Um, boy, lots in the news this week. We always like to start the show off each week with what happened in the markets, the economy, and then jump into our topics and things. U.S. non-farm payrolls rose 138,000 uh, in in uh, in May, and in March and April were revised downward a little bit. You know, which kind of put a uh oh, what's going on? What's happening? Not to worry, it's still a good trend. You know, they were looking, economists were looking for 184,000 jobs to be created, but every once in a while you have a little dip up and a little dip down, not a big issue at all. You know, in light of that, all three major indices, the NASDAQ, the S&P, and the Dow, set all-time highs this week, even after we had some disappointing uh, uh, news regarding the 10-year note, which was slipping uh, this week from 2.24% down to 2.17. Basically, the when you take a look at the, the, the bond spectrum, the treasury bonds, you have a one-month bond, a three-month bond, a one-year bond, a 10-year bond, a 30-year bond, so forth and so on. <clears throat> and the 10-year note is a, is a good indication of, of business and economic activity. And when it starts to dip a little bit, <clears throat> It shows that there might be a little bit of hesitancy, a little bit of fear, so people are putting more money into that 10-year note so the yields go down. Not a big issue at all, just just watching the trends here a little bit. So at the end of the day, though, the markets seem to shrug off some of the geopolitical noise that was out there um, all around the globe in the U.S. as well as Europe. And uh, the markets continued to rise a little bit, which was good good news. On an upbeat note... 
which is is something that we don't see a lot in the news these days, right, Chris? No, okay. Sure, no. But on an upbeat note, you know, the the Fed's uh, beige book came out and uh, was pretty upbeat with different areas of the comp- of the company of the country having some modest growth reports, which is good. So the underpinnings of the economy are still expanding, which is very, very favorable. And remember, at the end of the day, people buy stock based off the future expectation, the future anticipated earnings of a corporation. So how have earnings come in? You know, every quarter, January, February, March, then that's the end of the first quarter, then in April and May and a little bit into June, all the companies of the S&P 500 report their earnings. Well, we've reported through the other day, 492 companies have reported earnings, okay? And earnings are expect, have, have, have increased pretty well this year over last year, which is very, very nice. It's up 15.4% versus the same quarter a year ago. Then if we strip out energy, and earnings rose 11.1%, and revenues are up 7.3%. Stripping out energy, they're up 5.4. So very positive underpinnings there in the overall economy when it comes to taking a look at all of that. We have to wait, and Europe is still talking about keeping their stimulus uh, or their, their foot on the gas pedal, if you will, their stimulus rolling along. So things look to be, you know, to be in sort of a, a growth mode. You still need to stay diversified in your investments, and we'll talk a little bit about that as, as we go through the show this morning. But overall, you know, the market's set up uh, – uh, some new highs now, uh, which is kind of fun to watch, Chris. It's kind of fun to see everybody go, oh, no, what's next? What's next? Sounds like a sunny disposition there, Larry. It is. Yep, absolutely it is. So, so uh, yeah, so so the, the, the reports look pretty good. You know, and it's 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 kind of an interesting time right now because we're, we're, we're looking to see, you know, this past week the Federal Reserve started talking about trimming its balance sheet you know over the years since the financial crisis the federal reserve first of all understand this that that the fed sometimes in times of crisis needs to be the buyer or seller of last resort okay and and when they when we went through the financial crisis obviously they were the buyer of last resort with buying all the treasury bonds and things like that now they're talking about you know pushing them back out into the marketplace, back out in the economy. So there's some different schools of thought on that. Should they go ahead and, and start moving them back out into the marketplace, or should they hold them to maturity? You know, And so it's going to be an interesting scenario to see exactly what happens. But I've been uh, having a lot of fun watching all of this boring economic stuff, Chris, if you will, and uh, explaining it to clients along the way. So some, some people are interested in understanding it and reading it and, and learning about it, and others just go, ah, I'm not, you know, it's over my head. I don't want to pay attention to it at all. But at the end of the day, things look pretty uh, optimistic as far as the economy goes right now. It's nice that you're, 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 on the, you're on the switch. You're the guy that's uh, handling all of this for us, so we can just listen to you. We don't have to do all this research. You know? That's the deal. <laughs> yeah. There you go. There it's you nice, go. That's nice exactly thing. right. So, hey, we're moving into summer months, June, July, and August, right? Yeah. So June ranks 11th out of the 12 months with its average total return over the last 25 years, which is basically flat, okay, um, point one of a loss, basically. And guess which month la- ranks the worst? Dead last? Yes, August. 
So we've got two of them this coming time, you know, June, July, and August. So, you know, uh, just, I like these these little stats that, that uh, we get to pull up in my industry and see what's going on. And, and it makes for fun fun talk, uh, uh, you know. When, you watch. We'll have the highest, highest August on record. You watch. I hope so. That'd be fun, wouldn't it? It would be. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. So, hey, you know, getting back to, to some of the economy and, and things like that. So we are in a rate-rising cycle with the Federal Reserve, right? Mm-hmm. So what does that mean? So so the Federal Reserve has two mandates. One is price stability, and the other one is maximum employment. So when we take a look here at at uh, some some earning or some some – uh, wages, wages have gone up two and a half percent. Now, I know not everybody's feeling that, but these are national averages ac- across the, the the country. So we're starting to see unemployment dip, as we saw the other day on a nice report. We're seeing wages start to rise. So the Fed's saying, "Hey, we need to raise interest rates so that we don't have, you know, too much inflation or uncontrolled inflation." So between now and the end of 2018, the Fed has 13 more scheduled meetings. So the question is how many times are they going to are they going to hike? You know, the next meeting is scheduled June 13th and 14th of this month and I think that they're going to go ahead and raise a quarter point uh one two 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 maybe three more times this year. So it's kind of an interesting scenario moving into a rate rising cycle which we have not had a rate rising cycle now for almost 10 years. So you're saying by the end of the summer we're looking at almost a full point. Is that what you're saying? Yep. That's exactly right. Wow. That's exactly right. So we need to get more normalized interest rates as the economy continues to grow and heal itself, which is good. So that brings us to the question of sensitivity when it comes to your bond portfolios. So remember this. When you were, you know, in 2008 in the financial crisis, when they dropped interest rates basically to zero, you were 10 years younger, 9, 10 years younger. Now you're 9, 10 years closer to retirement or already moved into retirement, and now the money that's in your bond portfolios, in your accounts, have something called duration risk or interest rate sensitivity risk. In other words, as interest rates go up, bond prices drop in most bonds. So let's pick on the 30-year Treasury bond right now. It has a duration of about 19 as as of a couple of weeks ago. So if interest rates go up, 1%, we could see a pretty big decline in the principal value of of that bond. So we need to make sure that your your fixed income or your bond portions of your portfolio don't have too much sensitivity risk to interest rates rising. Now, there's always a solution. There's the other side of the bond street where you can have bonds that are called bank loan bonds or, or, or bank fund bonds. Um, they have credit sensitivity, so as long as the economy is expanding, they tend to do well in a rising rate investment envi- or interest rate environment. So remember, there's two sides of the bond street. And hey, since, 19, since the 1980s, when interest rates were up 16 18%, they've been coming down, cascading slowly over this time. So we've had 30-some years of the declining interest rate um, pattern all the way down to zero, and now we have to find out where our bond's going to work best in a rising interest rate environment, and that would be on the credit side of the bond street. So. It's really a, it's really good news to see these interest rates starting to come up a little bit, isn't it? 
Oh. Well, I think it is, Chris. We need to get the, you know, it's inevitable that one day we'll go back into a recession. Now, I don't see any pressures for a recession anytime soon. However, at some point down the road, we will hit a recession. It's a boom-bust cycle. It's cyclical when it comes to that. And when we do go into a recession, we're going to want the Federal Reserve to have interest rates high enough that they can just simply lower rates to re-stimulate another business cycle. That's what we want to have. So we need to get rates more more uh, normalized. But if you're on the edge of uh, getting a mortgage or something, right, then you really kind of need to pull the trigger on that fairly soon, I would think. Yes, it's going to cascade. It'll have a domino effect, financing a car, getting a new mortgage, refinancing your house, whatever it may be. You know, it's going to have a cascading effect, definitely. So you want to take a look at, you know, where you are right now for sure. So, hey, let's take a quick break here. Give us a ring. We're going to open up the phone lines. Give us a call at 855-ROSE-123, 855-ROSE-123, or 855-767-3123 with any of your questions at all. If you've got questions on the economy, what's happening in the markets with the Federal Reserve, the geopolitical issues, give us a call, 855-ROSE-123. You're listening to Making Money Sense. I'm Larry Rosenthal. We'll be back in a moment. Have you ever wanted to be part of something big? Nonprofit organization called Stars Children Africa. Do you want to be a part of something that changes a child's life? Orphans who are high school age who would not have a chance to get education otherwise. Now you can be part of something that brings hope. What we do is we actually pay for the school fees. For about the cost of a new suit, you can change an orphan's future for a whole year. We pay for the school fees, and that averages around 500 to $550 a year total. That means food, lodging, the teaching, the education part, the, the uniform, that whole thing. Call now, 703-201-2494, or go to starschildrenafrica.org. For a dollar and a half a day, one child would be educated for that year in high school. 703 703- 201-2494. Call right now. For $500 a year, you can change an orphan's life. 703-201-2494. You are listening to the Larry Rosenthal Show, Making Money Sense. If you'd like to dial in and ask Larry, our financial and retirement expert, a question... Well, we've got some lines available for you right now, 855-767-3123. That's 855-ROSE-123. What about all these rising interest rates? Maybe it's time for you to take uh, some action on some of those things that you've been putting off a little bit. Maybe now's the time to look at some of those things. 855-767-3123. Larry? Sure, Chris. So today I thought we'd talk about some... Oh, touchy subjects on the year. How's that sound? Touchy. Touchy subjects. Yeah, we're going to talk a little bit about college funding. I'm going to put my seatbelt on here. Yep, and then we're going to talk about some insurance that that very few people own, but yet seven out of ten people say you should own that insurance, okay? (laughs) And then we're going to talk a little bit also about um, annuities, product that people love to hate or hate to love. We shouldn't you know, you be some people out there love annuities and some people hate them and some yeah. people understand them. So we're going to talk a little bit about these three subjects today. It's going to touch home with a lot of people. Shouldn't okay. you be a little bit wary of someone who says you should do something and they're not doing it themselves? I, I mean, think so. That's kind of one of those things as uh, 
do what I say, not what I do, right? <laughs> it's kind of like when I was – I actually told somebody that the other day playing golf. I said, no, do what I say, not the way I do it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> there you go. So lots of fun. Anyway, let's talk a little bit about college funding here. College funding is is obviously everybody wants their children to go to college and their grandchildren to go to college. But the problem is, is nobody or the challenge is nobody wants them to be strapped with all kinds of debt. Right. So let's take a look at college funding. Let's examine some different ways to get through this issue in a from a financial planning perspective. And and right now, 11 percent of college debt loans are at least 90 days in in, uh, in arrears right now. And the latest data we have is through the end of March of this year. 3.8 of auto loans are 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 delinquent. So you know they're That's pretty they're, high. Yeah, there's a, there's a little bit of uh, perception there on on what's happening with with the loans. So let's take a look a little bit further here. Within four years of of a 2008 graduation. Uh, from college, 69% of people with loans were making regular payments on the debt. 17% had fully repaid their debt, and 9 were making no payments. 5% of them had already defaulted on the loan. This is through Association of College, University, and Business Officers. So, so college loans are definitely – it definitely opens up the door for people, which is a wonderful, wonderful thing. But at the same time, it can also be a, a large burden, as we all know – post college out in the in the real working world right oh, yeah. so so when we when we take a look at some of these numbers here about about who owns what as far as debt and and things like that go <clears throat> there there's there's some different steps and ways to sort of get through college to minimize debt one way is when when we take a look at at um, the 2014-15 academic year Twenty-seven percent of the people that that came through um, got their degree earlier than in a four-year period of time by taking more classes. Okay, now now that's it doesn't uh, lower your cost though, does it? Uh, well, it's it's more less, classes. It, it's less year. It's you know you're still paying your your cost for the credits, right? But you're not living there still. Uh, okay, you know, another cost so of living. Yeah. yeah, it does lower the overall cost a little bit, but not necessarily the cost of credits. You're correct. Um, so, so, or, or I should say, they tried to earn the degree in in a shorter period of time. That's a heavy, heavy lift. It really is. Mm-hmm. Some students, forty nine percent of them, said, "Hey, you know what? We went to school locally and lived at home." Which, again, to your point, you're still paying for the credits, but you're not paying for out, you know, dorm or apartment living and things like that. Okay, sixty two percent said, "I'm going to go on a personal spending budget reduction." You know, and and just <laughs> this is somebody who's already in college, who's already on a shoestring. I know that's that's exactly right. But here's here's the deal, though. Seventy seven percent of people said, you know, they worked during school and during their Christmas and and uh, summer breaks, you know, to help pay for 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 college as well. And then eighty percent said they attended school purposely in in their home state to take advantage of state tuition costs. So so there's some ways just right there to go about doing it, and everybody goes, yeah, we know all that stuff, but I want my kid to go live at college and experience the social life. I get it, and I understand all that. You know, I'm just sitting here pointing out this, that because all this ends up coming down to the point where when you take a look at, and I'm looking at these, these statements and these charts and things here, you know, what, 
when 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 people and this is where things get sort of touchy here in determining colleges because you don't want to tell your children hey I want you to go do this and they're going but I really want to do that uh, you know yeah, yeah, that yeah. this is where the great debate comes and where it's very very difficult for example you know, in, in, in the information that I've been reading up on this for today's show, you, you take a look at somebody who's going to get an engineering degree. Well, there's a there's a, a better statistical chance that somebody who has an engineering degree may end up getting a little bit larger of a paycheck than somebody who has a basic liberal arts or educational type of a degree. Okay, and this is where this gets all touchy and and people getting you know. Uh, you know, yeah. stepping on toes and things, and I don't mean to do that at all by any means. I want everybody to get the degree that they want to get in in their areas. I'm just simply saying that I'm just taking a look at all of this, uh, you know, the financial planning aspect of it all. Because you know, when when you come down here, at, at pe- there's people now that are over 60. There's 2.8 million Americans that are over 60 years of age who have student loan debt. Mm. 2.8 million today, this is at the end of 2015, that's the latest data that we have, have, have student loan debt. And, and some of it, yes, yeah, some of it is because they went back to school in their 50s mm-hmm. or they're helping their grandchildren out with it all. You know, my wife wants me to go back to school to be, uh, learn a little bit more about home economics. <laughs> you know, there you doing, go. Doing the refrigerator thing and, you know, cleaning up the house a little bit better, making sure the socks are off the floor. I could use a degree in that, I think. <laughs> I could use that. Because my whole point, there you go, right? <laughs> so, no, but, 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 but at the end of the day, I, I, in working with clients all across the country, the, the same questions keep coming up. What's the best college funding plan? Should I put the money into a market-based 529 solution plan, or should I do a prepaid tuition program? Why do they go so high so quickly, Larry? Have you ever really considered and wondered that? Tuition, what goes so high? Tuition prices, they just seem to be exponentially increasing over the years. Tuition price, well, it's because of the demand. Tuition prices are, are growing at 7 to 9% a year. Wow. Okay, and, and and it's a big big issue. And so when you sit down and you take a look at college fund, I was I was working with a client yesterday, and they they've been saving. They they've been blessed. They they have some 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 family members who've been saving for their kids since they were since they were young. And and they told me they said that one day when their kids grow up and get married and have kids of their own, the the first month that they have a grandbaby, they're going to open up a 529 plan. Yeah, makes, sense. makes sense. That's exactly right. And and it's very difficult, you know. And, and I'm not saying don't take loans, but there's a lot of different ways to go about getting through college and keeping an eye on the end game of, of the debt at the, at the end of the day. You know, some simple college funding programs are for students to uh, take loans, but then you go, yeah, but I don't want my kids to be strapped with all this that you're talking about, Larry. Yeah, and then you pay the loan back. You know, out of the interest from your investments, you know, so so there's that way too. There's people who also use home equity for it, and they 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 save through prepaid tuition plans and 529 plans. You know, go to your state's prepaid tuition plan and take a look at what how much they would require you to start putting money away to get tuition locked in at today's prices based off your children's ages, versus run a college funding calculator as to how much you need to put into a 529 market-based solution plan, and you'll see that the numbers are almost the same. But there are students today going to school for a third of the price because their parents locked in the prepaid tuition plan years ago. So there's pros and cons on both sides of this equation. You know, on the other side, the markets continue to rise in the traditional 529 plans. You could end up with a little bit extra money, right? 
uh, which could be a good thing. On the other hand, if the markets were to recorrect, uh, you know, um, uh, correct just before your child goes to college, you could lose some dollars there too. So why pro- a five twenty nine plan versus just putting it into some sort of a, an investment port, uh, vehicle? There's that too. You know, if if you put the money into a five twenty nine plan and you pull it out for for something other than um, uh, qualified educational expenses. Then you have to pay taxes on the earnings plus a ten percent uh, penalty on the distribution. So, so some people say, you know what, I don't want to do that. You know, little Tommy is so 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 nice now at age four, but he may not go to college, right, or or whatever. He might start a business. You know, who knows? Are they so, tax advantaged, or is there a specific reason you would do a five twenty nine versus a regular? Yeah, well, absolutely, fund? they are tax advantaged. Again, the money that goes into a five twenty nine plan. It goes in. You act, first of all, you receive a, a a state tax deduction on your income taxes, gotcha. yeah. and the money that's in there is all tax deferred. When you pull it out for qualified educational expenses, Chris, it comes out completely tax free. So there's your advantage. Yeah. Exactly. So there's there's big big uh, uh, decisions in college funding how to save for college, and we put this into financial plans. And you'd be surprised. You know, I, I can pull up on my computer the the cost of all the colleges across the nation. And put it into the financial plan, and, and and parents and grandparents are surprised at at seeing how, uh, seeing the the different types of programs out there. You know, I was working with a client earlier this week who actually has an old fashioned. It's an educational IRA. You know, they they were the first ones out before the five twenty nine plans took over. So so there's all different types of programs out there. A lot of people aren't aware of it, and and how to sort of glide through trying to save some money along the path. When it when it comes to all this, don't we? You wish we could all play like superstar football and get a full ride or something, but you know that's yeah, that's, that's what everybody thinks, but that doesn't happen too often. It's a rare know? thing. There's yeah. only so many kids that can jump out of the gym, right? <laughs> you know, right. when when it, when it comes to all that. So, hey, anyway, give us a ring here eight five five Rose one two three. That's eight five five seven six seven three one two three. You can also visit my website, Larry Rosenthal, for articles on college funding and how to save for colleges in the five twenty nine plans, Larry. Rosenthal.com. We'll be back in more in a few minutes with Making Money Sense. You are listening to Making Money Sense live with Larry Rosenthal. Phone lines are open for your retirement and financial planning questions at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. More Making Money Sense in a moment. Housing prices and interest rates have started to move up. This may be your last chance to take advantage of low rates and housing bargains. If you're considering purchasing a home within the next year, you need to call Troy Turow at McLean Mortgage First to take advantage of his Loan First program. This can give you a winning bid over the competition, even when you come up against cash offers. The Loan First program will have you fully pre-approved so that you understand all aspects of your loan before you start looking for your dream home. Buy in confidence when you have your Loan First certificate, which shows the seller your loan is already pre-approved and they can avoid any unnecessary negative surprises at settlement. Troy's been helping homeowners for over 20 years in the D.C. metro area, and he and his team are ready to help you. Call him today at 571-490-7117. That's 571-490-7117 for your loan first pre-approved certificate, 571-490-7117, or simply visit his website at anyhomeloans.com. 
Remember, you want control when you're making an offer on a home. Get your loan first certificate. Call Troy Turo at McLean Mortgage, 571-490-7117. Troy Turo and McLean Mortgage Corporations, NMLS number 5618 and 99665. You are listening to the Larry Rosenthal Show, Making Money Sense. If you'd like to dial in, we have a few lines available for you. A great time to talk to our financial and retirement expert here in studio, Larry Rosenthal. Again, the phone number is 855-767-3123, 855-ROSE-123. Larry. Sure. Let's welcome Beth on the line. Good morning, Beth. How are you today? I'm fine. I have a question concerning uh, IRA. Uh, I will be 70 in August. Okay. And I know you said that uh, I heard you talking about something that you can do. 70 and a half, you have to start withdrawing. Yes. And is there something else that you can do without having to withdraw that, draw that at 70 and a half? No, you're, you have – so if you have a traditional IRA that's, that's uh, pre-tax money, you have to start taking required minimum distributions. If you don't take them, then you have a 50% tax penalty on what you should have pulled out plus current income taxes due on what you should have pulled out as well. Now, mm-hmm. the only way around that is if you say, hey, you know what? I don't need the money. And then you will instruct the custodian. The custodian is the people that hold the money for you, like the mutual fund company or wherever the money is. Mm -hmm. You can say, you know what, I want you to take my required minimum distribution, and I want you to write a check to a charity, like maybe your church. And then that will satisfy your required minimum distribution. You don't have to pay any taxes on it. You don't get any of the money, but it will be written to the church or the charity and they will get the money. So you can make a charitable donation with the money if you wish. Oh, so say like write a check to my church and I would not have to pay the taxes on it? That's correct, but you cannot write the check. You have to instruct the custodian of the IRA. So like if your IRA is held at a mutual fund company, you would tell that mutual fund company, hey, you know what, I don't want my RMD, my required minimum distribution this year, but I want you to write write what write the check in the amount of my RMD should be and send it right over to my charity and then that way they will get the money and you don't have to pay any taxes on it and it satisfies your RMD and you don't have to worry about a 50% tax penalty too so but that that would be uh, you only have to take it out with that yearly well it has to be complete so let's suppose that you do the calculation and just to do do math easy here your your required distribution says you need to pull out $10,000 okay mm-hmm. so you can pull that out monthly throughout the course of the year or in a lump sum it just all has to be distributed from your IRA by December 31st of that calendar year okay so most so, people so let's most, say that's my RMD was $10,000 like you say then the rest of the money uh, would I have to, that's left there, would I have to pay taxes on it or what? No. So you would only have to know the rest of the money that's still sitting in the IRA is still sitting there tax-sheltered until next year. Then you have to take out your RMD again next year. But next whatever, year. Okay. Yep, yeah, but whatever is sitting in the IRA is always remaining tax-sheltered for you until you pull it out. Until you, you pull it out. That's exactly correct. 
There's okay. some information on it all I can be happy to send out to you if you like, especially on the charitable donation. If you don't need the money, you can send you can have the custodian send it directly to the charity and then that way you satisfy the RMD requirement and you don't have to pay any taxes. But that's the only way around not paying any taxes on it. Oh. Okay. All right, cuz I thought I said I know I would have to pay taxes on it. Yes, you do. Yep, if you okay. put it in your well, pocket, you, you have to much. pay taxes on it. Okay. Oh, okay, Beth, I appreciate the phone call. If you like, I, I can uh, have Bob get some information from you, and we can send you out a, so, some information on it all if you like. All right, thank you. Okay, let me put you on hold. Appreciate the phone call. You listen to Making Money Sense, Larry Rosenthal Show. Give us a ring here this morning with whatever questions you have on your mind, whether it's on uh, college funding or whether it's, it's on uh, – the economy or RMD required distributions of your IRAs, Roth conversions, insurance needs, whatever it is, give us a ring on whatever's on your mind today about your investments, your financial planning, estate planning, wills, trust, whatever it is, 855-767-3123 or 855-ROSE-123. You know, Chris, I wanted to just pull up one more thing on, on college funding that we were talking about here. These numbers can be pretty daunting, as a matter of fact. You know, 61% of people who graduated in fourteen in 2014 and 15 with a bachelor's degree um, from either public or private institutions had an average college debt of $28,100, okay? And 5% of people had debt over um, $100,000. be so, interesting to see what the employment rate is also for those who get out of school. I'm not sure. Well, the... The unemployment rate for a college for a four-year bachelor degree people is traditionally lower than non-college recipients right. of, of degrees. You know, so th- there you go. So, so you know, the, it's it when you're sitting down and you're doing financial planning, one of the biggest overlooking things in in financial planning when it comes to college funding is you know you've got two lanes of traffic in your financial plan basically one is is um uh inflation rate against your retirement position the next one is inflation rate against your college funding position and remember you need to be running your your retirement one out at about 3.7% or so which is a good hard conservative number but college between 7 and 9% mm. for inflation and oftentimes I see people thinking it's it's the same rate, and it's not. It's, it's just not a just, tough pill to swallow. It is, but rates. you know, college education is a wonderful, wonderful gift. I mean, it's a lifetime scenario. It's very, very good. So, hey, I want to change the subject here and talk a little bit about disability insurance. Disability insurance is is uh, insurance that that basically, if you're sick or injured and you're unable to work, where's your paycheck going to come from? What's going to happen here? And, you know, there's a survey that was just recently out. Seven out of ten people believe that most people need disability insurance, yet only one out of three people have it. Okay? Yeah, yeah. So, so there you go, right? You should do, do that. as I say, not as I do, right? Is it pricey? Is it expensive insurance? It's, it's expensive, and, and it is, um, uh, you know, sometimes it, it's based off of your occupation, on as far as the the pricing of it goes, you know. So if you have a a, a dangerous hazardous, job, yeah, yeah. dangerous job or something like that, you know, like uh, Michael Rowe, I don't think he's going to get it because he does <laughs> danger jobs, right? That's right. On on that show, I used to like that show. Is that show still on? Well, a lot of reruns are. He's doing something new now. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Yep. 
good. So, so you know, when you when you stop and you take a look at at the ability of somebody to earn, you know, the 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 a lot of people think, you know, what well, what's my most important asset? I've got to insure it, you know. Oh, then we insure our home, we insure our cars, you know. And and um, but if you think about what insurance does, insurance insures other people. You know, insurance on your home insures the builder to come back in, the fire department, God forbid, to come back in, right? Uh, health insurance insures that you get services. You know, it insures the hospital, the doctor for, you know, pay. But disability insurance is really the only insurance that insures you. You're, one of your most valuable assets is your ability to earn income throughout your life. You know, if you're 35 years old and you earn $40,000, you could potentially lose about $300,000, okay, over a five-year period of being disabled. You could lose a little over $1.5 if you're disabled, you know, for your career. So stop and think about that for a moment. The, the, one of your most valuable assets is your ability to get out and earn income. Now, there's two, two sides to the disability equation. One is, does your employer provide you group disability insurance? And then the other side is, do you have individual disability insurance, right? And if you have individual disability insurance, then the benefit will be tax-free to you because you're paying it. If you have group insurance and your employer is paying it, then the benefit comes in. It's taxable to you, okay? So one of the overlooked areas of disability insurance, Chris, is for self-employed people self-employed individuals, you know, which is the backbone of the jobs in our nation, self-employed businesses. You know, you take you take somebody who 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 runs a dry cleaner who has, you know, four employees. You take somebody who runs a mechanic shop who has, you know, 25 employees. You take somebody who who, you know, just all these small businesses out there. And one of the over most overlooked um, disability policies out there is what's called a BOE, business overhead expense. And, and business overhead expense is a disability policy that goes on the owner of the business. And it does just what I described. It's business overhead expense. If the business owner becomes disabled, let's say temporary disabled or something, breaks a leg or does something, you know, whatever, and, and these, these benefits pay for either 12 months or 18 months length of time, but it covers your overhead. It covers your rent or your mortgage. It covers interest on debt. It covers your payroll. It covers your utilities. It covers all of your normal business expenses, operating expenses, including payroll. So while the business owner is out, the business can still continue to be funded through BOE, business overhead expense. And a lot of self-employed individuals have never heard of this, okay? They don't know what it's about. They don't know how it works. But I tell you, when people start understanding it, it's basically insurance on keeping your business going for your employees and for you when you come back. So it pay, pays those normal business bills, which is very, very important to do. Does it all, is it easy to get? I mean, are large companies write this or – yeah, I mean, you know, there's a handful of companies out there that do business overhead insurance, and and um, it's it's important to get. You know, think about that employer who has 25 employees, let's say at the mechanic shop, as an example, and something happens. You know, are, is is the business still going to continue? Are they still going to be able to to uh, uh, make the rent payments or the mortgage payment, the interest that's due on small business loan debts? cover all the payroll expenses, 
you know, because a lot of times in the small business arena, the business owner is sort of the quote unquote rainmaker bringing in all the new 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 revenue and stuff. So you want to make sure that at least the 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 business can continue until he gets he or she gets back on his feet again. So it's very, very important. Hey, let's shoot on over to the district and welcome Jada on the line. Good morning, Jada. How are you today? Ooh. Hello. Hi, Jada. How are you today? Sorry about that. Good I pressed morning. the wrong How button. How are you? I'm doing well. Okay. I'm doing well. How can I help you? Well, um, I was listening. I actually just tuned in, but I heard you say something about um, IRAs at the age of 70 and a half. There's yes. some type of money. What, does that apply to a Roth as well? No, it does not. A Roth IRA has no required minimum distributions for the owner. However, if somebody inherits a Roth IRA, then there are required minimum distributions for the beneficiary of a Roth IRA, okay? Mm-hmm. But for and what the, would that be? Well, it's, it's however old they are. It's the required minimum distribution schedule. It's the same schedule that goes from age 0 to 115, depending on how old you are or the person who passed is. So you don't really have to worry about that right now. But the point is that you as the owner of the Roth IRA, there are no required minimum distributions at age 70. Just for the beneficiary, they would have to pull the money out over a period Right, that of time. was my question. What would the beneficiary have to do to, um, that they would have to pay that? I mean... Well, the beneficiary of a yep, the beneficiary of a Roth IRA. First of all, all the money's tax free, so there's no tax issues. Okay, mm-hmm. so the beneficiary of a Roth IRA is going to have a couple of choices. One, they can take the money in a lump sum, and it all be tax free, and then that's it. Okay, or they can take the money in what's called payments each year. It's sort of like stretching out the income of the IRA. So let's think of let's pretend you have five hundred thousand dollars sitting in a Roth IRA, and you're going to and and somebody inherits that money, a non-spousal beneficiary inherits that money, Jada. So so now they're going to stretch it. So the IRS says, all right, you can stretch this out, and and you can you have to take out let's say twenty grand a year. So so they take out twenty thousand the first year. The rest of it still sits inside the IRA, growing tax deferred, and then they take out another twenty grand. And suppose a couple years down the road they want to take out, you know, 150000 They can do that. But mm-hmm. by stretching it, it enables the remaining principal left inside the Roth IRA to continue to grow in a tax-advantaged way versus taking the whole thing in a lump sum. Now you've broken the shelter of the tax-free Roth IRA, so now when they reinvest it, it's going to be taxable to them. Do you see what I mean? So a lot of times oh. it's best – for the beneficiary of a Roth IRA to automatically set up to do the stretch IRA uh, on it. it okay, gives them, they don't yep, have to pay taxes on it? Correct. It gives them the choice of uh, taking the lump sum whenever they wish to, but it also gives them the opportunity to continue to have the vast majority of it continue to grow tax-deferred for them uh, d- down the road. Now, the Roth IRA needs to be seasoned. In other words, you as the owner need to have established the Roth IRA for at least at least five years ago. Okay, So Roth IRAs need to be seasoned in order for the tax-free benefit of them to kick in. Okay, So if you decided to put money into a Roth IRA today, June 3rd, 2017, then your establishment date becomes June, um, January 1st, 2017. So it needs to 
to to uh, mature five years or become seasoned in five years, then you're going to get those benefits I just described. Okay. 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 I'll be happy yeah. to send you out some information, Jada, on the Roth IRAs and the benefit of of how people, you know, a lot of people are, are taking taking their traditional IRAs in retirement and they're converting little bits of it each year, paying a small amount of tax on it each year in order to get money into the Roth side of the equation for their heirs. So their heirs can receive some tax-free income for themselves over their lifetime, which is a whole lot better than taxable income, right? But just getting income to begin with is good, too. So, so. There's a lot involved with that, too. We have a lot of clients that will look at, at doing Roth conversions each year and doing lots of little Roth conversions along the way. I just got done teaching a class on this at my church about, about you know, the do's and don'ts and how you go about doing Roth conversions. And, mm-hmm. and uh, it's very, very uh, – um, it's a very strong move for your heirs down the road. You know, think about this. If, if you've got – you know, let's, let, let, let's say you, 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 you're 60 – and you want to convert $10,000 a year into your Roth IRA from your traditional IRA. Well, if you, at age 70, now you've got $100,000 roughly plus growth sitting in your Roth IRA. Now you can start withdrawing that money in your, in your 70s and 80s tax-free. Or if you don't need it to begin with, now you're just building up a tax-free bucket for your heirs for them for down the road, which mm-hmm. is very nice. Scenario. But you can buy a Roth IRA straight up. You know, in the beginning, right? Yes, you can make a contribution into a Roth IRA. Absolutely, you can make a contribution into a Roth IRA, providing your income limits are are under a certain amount, uh, mm-hmm. which is which is a good thing. And then a lot of people also, who if their income's too large, they can't make a contribution to a Roth IRA. They can also they can do the contribution through their four hundred one k plan, providing it's available uh, at their employer as well. And there's no income limits on that. Another another choice, Jada, for people making Roth IRA contributions who have their income levels too high is to make a non-deductible contribution to a traditional IRA and then um, convert that contribution over to a Roth. So it's called backdooring a Roth. So there's lots of information on Roth IRAs. Essentially what you're looking at doing is some tax allocation preparation, moving money that comes out in retirement or to beneficiaries from a taxable position to a tax-free position. So I'll be happy to send you out some information. I'll go ahead and put you on hold, and Josh will get your information. We'll send you out information on all this Roth IRA stuff. Have a wonderful weekend. Appreciate the phone call. You're listening to Making Money Sense, Larry Rosenthal Show. Give us a ring here at 855-ROSE-123. We're going to take a quick break. Keep the lines open for your phone calls. Give us a call here at 855-ROSE-123 to reach me live here in the studio. You're listening to Making Money Sense. I'm Larry Rosenthal. We'll be back in a moment. You are listening to Making Money Sense live with Larry Rosenthal. Phone lines are open for your retirement and financial planning questions at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. More Making Money Sense in a moment. Remember those kids that you keep your kids away from? Those kids that society doesn't seem to know what to do with? That kid you saw on the street corner last week? Remember that kid that, well, you feel sorry for? The dropout, the pregnant teen, the drug addict. Those are the kids that Youth for Tomorrow wants to reach. 
and Youth for Tomorrow has reached nearly 800 children since opening its doors in 1986. That's 800 young men and women helped to become responsible and effective members of society. The founder and chairman of Youth for Tomorrow, former Washington Redskins coach and current NASCAR team owner Joe Gibbs, says if we don't do what we can to influence our young people, there are plenty of others who will in the wrong direction. For more information about Youth for Tomorrow, call 703-368-7995 or go to youthfortomorrow.org. You can help turn a negative into a positive. Call 703-368-7995 or go to youthfortomorrow.org. You're listening to the Larry Rosenthal Show, Making Money Sense. If you'd like to dial in, here's our phone number, 855-767-3123. You'll find Larry Rosenthal, our financial and retirement expert here in studio on the other end of that line, answering your questions. Again, 855-767-3123, Larry. Sure, let's welcome Renee on the line. Good morning, Renee. How are you today? Good morning. Good. How can I help you? Uh, yes, I had um, inherited a little bit of money and it's just in a regular um, checking account type of bank. And I wanted to put some money away for my child's college. She's in ninth grade. So I'm trying to think what would be a short-term um, place where I could put the money to gain some interest until, you know, I need it for four years down the road, three or four well, years. Yeah, so so you need to take a look at two scenarios. One is the Maryland 529 plan, okay, and it's through T. Rowe Price, and they have a bunch of different um, portfolios based off of your child's grade to manage the risk. In other words, the closer you are in time to needing the money back, the more conservative it's going to be. That's one option. And the second one is the prepaid tuition program. Okay, so so go on the website and take a look at both of those to see what what the dollars are going to cost. Now, on the prepaid tuition program, you're basically signing up, Renee, for a monthly payment or a yearly payment plan that you're going to have to be committed to in order to make it work. But if if the cash flow in your household allows that, that may be a good option. On the other hand, you might want to just take some or all of the money for the college that you you've received here in your inheritance. Um, and put it into the 529 plan and make sure you're in the correct portfolio, and they can guide you on that uh, with okay. the, at, at the place. So just Google it up and, and, and do that. And if you want, I'll, I can send you out some literature on it as well. Um, yeah, because I don't know if the, tu- the, the one, the tuition, uh, what did you call that? The 529 plan or the prepaid no, the tuition plan. Yeah, prepaid oh, tuition. The prepaid. Now, for the prepaid, you don't have to take a college. You're just You're just – no, it's going to be prepaid to a Maryland state school, and then there's reciprocal relationships with other states. So you need to read about it. I don't know what oh, your, gotcha. your child's plans are or anything like that, but you need to read about it on there. But it's, okay. it's, it's a good choice. Yep. So you can just Google it up, and it, the information is very easy to read, very nice to follow. And if you have questions, I'll, I'll be happy to send you out some info on it, okay? Well, that would be great if you could. Yep, let me put you on hold, and we'll get you some college information up there. Just just, just one second here. Let me go ahead and welcome, uh, let's pull up Tasha. Let's welcome Tasha on the line from West Virginia. Good morning, Tasha. How are you today? Good morning. I'm doing well. Thank you. Good. How can I help you? So, um, okay, so I'm pretty new to investing. Um, I'm 27 years old, and right now I have a, I'm work with a company who matches everything I invest in my 401K. Um, my 
father keeps telling me that I need to open a Roth IRA. So I'm wondering what would be the best option for me? Should I open a Roth IRA separately um, and start putting small amounts in that as well? Um, Your father is a wise man, okay? (laughs) I want you to go tell him that, Tasha, okay? Blow his mind. Say, Dad, you know you're a wise man, okay? (laughs) All right. So, he, might, he might fall off his chair, though, so be careful. <laughs> <laughs> so so here's the deal. First of all, um, <clears throat> ask your employer if you can put money into the Roth side of your 401K. All right? Okay. That's the first question I want you to do. But the second thing is, is your dad is exactly correct, is open up a Roth IRA. We can do that at a mutual fund company for you, not a problem. And it's going to enable you to put about 5000 or $6,000. No, no. $5,500 away into a Roth IRA each year. You won't get a tax deduction for it, but that money is going to grow tax advantage. And as, as long as you keep it there to 59 and a half or five years, whichever is longer, and 59 and a half in your case, Tasha, is longer. So the money is going to come out tax-free for you. One of, the, one of the advantages that a Roth IRA has for someone your age is is in case an emergency happens, you can always pull the principal out of the Roth IRA under 59 and a half with no taxes and no penalties. And a lot of people okay. are not aware of that because it's already after-tax money that's sitting in there, okay? So, yes, I want you to open up a Roth IRA and also ask your employer if you can put money into the Roth side because at your age of 27 now, 10 years from now, your income is going to be higher. 20 years from now, your income is probably going to be yet even higher on top of that. Then you may want to look at putting more money into the pre-tax side of things to get better tax deductions. You're, okay. Remember, Tasha, also, even if you are if you put money into your employer's Roth side of the 401K, mm-hmm. your employer's matching is going to go on the pre-tax side. Okay? Okay. So, so, yes, absolutely, very big fan of that. And I'll send you out some information on it if you like, okay? All right. Thank you very much. Yep, I let me place it. you on hold and tell your daddy's a wise man to get some money on the Roth IRA <laughs> side of things. Absolutely. I Congratulations, sure investing at 27. Yep, wonderful. Hey, you're listening to Making Money Sense, Larry Rosenthal Show. Give us a ring at 855-ROSE-123. Got a couple of minutes left in the show. And uh, I'll stay in studio and answer your questions, as I always do. We usually get a lot of phone calls here towards the end. So give us a call, 855-ROSE-123. If you want some information on that disability insurance we were talking about, the business overhead expense policy, give us a call. I'll be happy to to review that with you. Or simply go to my website, LarryRosenthal.com. Shoot me off an email. We'll send you out some information there. We've got a whole library of subject matters, talking points, videos, all kinds of commentary and things like that as well. So we'll be back next Saturday with another session of Making Money Sense. By the way, after the show, you can give us a call still at 855-ROSE-123. We flip the the phone lines back over. It becomes our nationwide uh, toll-free number. They call the office. And we get lots of phone calls and requests during the week about people that are asking for, hey, I meant heard this on the show. Can you send me that out? Or, or, or uh, I was reading about this, that, and the other. Do you have any information on that? We've got libraries of information that we send out people all the time, including our financial planning toolkit. Uh, I was talking with some people in my office this week, and I always say here on the air, we've sent out thousands of these, and, and now it's it's one of the scenarios of we've sent out tens of thousands of these <laughs> financial planning toolkits. They're as popular uh, as, uh, yes, as widget yes, spinners so over those the things. years. So tens of thousands of these we have handed out to people. If you want a copy of the financial planning toolkit, it's going to help you 
draw a line in the sand and build out your retirement plan and college funding plan. So for Josh in the back today, appreciate you being here, Josh. And Chris, I'm Larry Rosenthal. Have a wonderful week. I'll stay in studio and answer these questions with these callers that are coming in right now. Have a wonderful week. We'll be back next Saturday with another session of the Larry Rosenthal Show, Making Money Sense. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.